Welcome to Singled Out, the ninth best Guild Ball podcast. Please stand by. Welcome to episode 51. In this episode Andrew and Jason talk to Russ Charles about how he sculpts models for Guild Ball, and how many coats of a Grax Earth shade is appropriate for a paint job. Singled Out, a podcast that contains some Guild Ball uh, and, and Jason. Hello, Jason. All right, mate. How you doing? I'm good, thank you. This is an episode we're recording after an episode with Perkins and Bryce, but you'll be hearing this episode before Perkins and Bryce, because Perkins and Bryce are talking about secret things, although saying they're now secret means they're not secret anymore, except we don't to say what they are. That was good radio. That was, uh, that was brilliant. quite tedious. That's yeah. coming out Monday, isn't it? Is that Monday? Uh, or Saturday. Oh, or Saturday. Okay, so you better listen to this episode quickly so that you've got plenty of ear space ready for that episode. That's right. Um, so, how you doing, Jason? You all right? Yeah, good, good. Went to went to a team event at the weekend. Um, I'm not going to go too in-depth into that, but let's just say Operations Baby Bottle was initiated well, and successful. That episode, um, well, that, that, uh, that tournament will be mentioned on a episode of Bonus Time, won't it? Which you've sent to me, I assume, by now. Uh, well, we'll go with yes. He means no. I do mean no. Uh, there'll but... be an episode of um, bonus time out, our Patreon um, content coming online in the next couple of days, where Jason goes to a, a tournament, a team tournament, uh, mainly mm. forces me to listen to an hour of him talking and having to edit a bit of it out to make it palatable, even for an episode of <laughs> Patreon um, content. But uh, I would like to just say. Um... Thanks to everyone who's there. I really, I'm a. I think I've said it before on the podcast. I'm a big fan of team events. I really enjoy them. I really enjoy the, uh, just the atmosphere, um, having a bit of uh, banter with the people who were there in your team. But also to uh, Kevy and um, Mike Pollard from the Mid Kent, I believe they're the Mid Kent Guildball Association. Keep an eye out for their future events because if they're at the same venue, it's an absolutely fantastic venue. And I kid you not, there's a place that does pizzas um, about two and a half minutes walk from the venue. It was absolutely spot on. It's just off the M25. A really good venue and a really well run event. And I definitely would recommend going to their future events if they're a patch on that one. Brilliant. Uh, we'll, leave, we'll leave a pause when people can listen to Patreon um, um, commercial now. Unbeknownst to most people podcasts cost money to produce especially if you've got Jason on that podcast and he goes on a bit 
these poor individuals are somehow of the opinion that you want to hear them, that their opinions matter to you, and somehow, somehow, improve your gameplay. If, for whatever reason, you feel like supporting these poor, accursed individuals, sworn to be able to produce content for your benefit, you can do so through Patreon. For just one dollar, you will be classified as a mascot and entitle you to one knowing wink or nod from a cast member, if they know who you are. For five dollars, as a goalkeeper member, you'll gain access to the additional bonus time singled out feed, giving you more content that will build up in the app of choice before eventually being deleted. As a defensive midfielder at $10 a month, you'll gain a set of condition dice, allowing you to mark and annotate information that you've already got some way of recording, as well as all of the other features currently listed. At $20, and as an attacking midfielder, you can have a black singled-out t-shirt and have access to opinion polls that Jason will never read and Andrew will obsess over compulsively. At Captain Neville, well, frankly, you can have a t-shirt of any colour you like. You can access opinion polls that people will read and pay attention to. And if you ask really nicely, Andrew will probably bust a nut over the object of your choice. These people are sadly afflicted by a cruel and unusual compulsion to spend late at night ignoring loved ones and friends and even the subject matter that they're talking about to bring you information that may or may not enrich your lives. Frankly, you have the power to help these people. And from just $5 or $1, frankly, they will gain a sense of accomplishment that maybe, maybe out there, someone is listening. Boom Radio. And uh, <laughs> and then basically... Um... Hopefully, there'll be more, more events than there. Yeah, I've been to two tournaments for quite a long time, actually. But um, they are great fun. They really are. Um, they're going to laugh one. because you get to play with friends and also help each other out and insult each other when it all goes wrong. And um, yeah. yeah, it's a really, really good atmosphere. I mean, um, really, really um, um, good fun. I'm hoping that um, Mark pulls his finger out and organises one in the non-eaten area so we can... I mean, he hasn't just... arranged a tournament uh, for about 30 seconds. So by now, it's probably getting yeah. a bit twitchy. It is. It's been about at least two weeks since um, his name's been in the headlights. He's an absolute machine of tournament winning. It's amazing. It's really good to see him do it all because he's, he's done a lot for for Gilball in the Midlands, really. So um, I'm sure he'll do one soon. He's one of the figures, it must be. Oh, it must be. Yeah, it must be, what, maybe 15, 20 now, maybe more than that? I don't know. I don't know. Are we gonna, is there a team event at SteamCon? This is a shameless segue into introducing our guest in a minute, by the way. Well, that that would suggest I can remember the SteamCon lineup. And being a professional radio host, I haven't looked at it uh, for a while. I presume it is. Um, well, should we ask our guest? I'm sure he'll know. <laughs> yeah. And who have we got joining us today then, Andrew? Well, the person who's online now will say hello. Hello, hello. There it he is, is I. Who are you? I am Russ. He is, is Russ. The, the Lehman Russ. Uh, possibly not. I'm not nearly that hairy. <laughs> How you doing, mate? I'm good. I'm desperately looking up the SteamCon uh, schedule so that I can uh, <laughs> I can help you. Uh, I believe cause... I believe there's one on the Sunday. It's either there's a team event on the Sunday or there's a doubles event. I can't remember which one it is. Uh, let's have a look at Sunday. It's oh, okay. We can we can leave all the pauses because the editing software will move it. So it's okay. We can all wait in silence while someone checks the schedule. I can't. Like... It will sound like seconds on on the on the podcast rather than minutes of torturous silence. As well as I, I suggest this entire section gets cut because it's bad. But um, I don't know. Steamcon, <laughs> Steamcon. I I only know what I'm doing when I when I arrive. So why who who are you then, Russ? And why are you doing things at Steamcon? What do you do? So my name's Russ, and I am the person that sculpts all of the Guild Ball models. So when I come to Steamcon, I will be sculpting things and talking about sculpting. So if ever you have a model with a really, really small wrist joint, it's this guy's fault? Entirely my fault, yes. I, I, I dislike people, and I like to see them suffer. That's fair. Although it is worth noting that you aren't responsible for Harmony's neck. No, I am. I am not responsible for Harmony, no. The Mason's Guild Season 1 model is the only Guild Ball figures I didn't sculpt. Well, I'll be. That, that's very interesting. So did you have a hand in doing the re-sculpts for the kickoff box? 
yeah, but that was just an engineering pass, really. I mean, I I did tweak a couple of them. Although, I, mean, but... I, I recently repainted Harmony, as in the plastic Harmony in the kickoff box, and the head and the neck, which is, it's, it's just really, really nice sculpt, actually. Once you've sorted out the neck and head problem, it's, it's lovely, the new model. Yeah, she's she's definitely a thing. I mean, you know, going... I don't know if we're sort of jumping into the middle of a story here, but yeah, I think it's it's a sort of established fact that um, with uh, with season one, because it was a Kickstarter, uh, everything in terms of time was very compressed. So uh, I I had to sort of call on a on a trusted friend to help me out with the Masons Guild. But uh, since then, it's all been me, one hundred percent. So who's your favourite guild then to sculpt for? Favourite guild to sculpt for? Ooh. Um. That's a really difficult question, and I, I, don't, I don't want to sound like I'm copping out, but the guild that I've had the most fun sculpting usually is the one that I'm either currently working on or just finished, and oh, okay. I, I can't talk about that, unfortunately. But of the guilds that are released, I if you slice me in half, it says Brewers right through the middle. That's mm-hmm. Bigot, so good. That's Bigot, love him. I love Stay, favourite sculpt from season one. I love uh, Mash, but... Mash is great. Oh, mash is fun. Yeah, I do. I do like a good mash. And really nice sort of spaces to do. You really have good, good fun doing the skin as well. Painting the skin is really nice sort of space. You know, a lot of sort of um, detail to him, but also places you can do you know uh, freehand work on him as well. Really nice. Yeah, sort of it was really lovely to see that the studio paint of Mash got a, a nomination for best paint job for, from um, the Beasts of War community recently. Did it? And I think that probably reflects that. Yeah, he's a he's a painter's model because there's lots of space there. You can do cool things. So before we shoot too far down the um, the rabbit hole of Gilball sculpts, I think it'd be quite interesting because before talking to you in the green room, um, I wasn't aware of your background and your route path as a sculptor and the illustrious career you had prior to Gilball and what it was. Oh, I was a I was a primary school teacher. Yeah, it was um, it was not at all uh, what people assume is the way you get into this industry. I was a I was a primary school teacher with a specialism in English and IT. Fantastic. And then, how did you get into miniature sculpting? And what was your what was your, presumably you were you were a war gamer of sorts? Yeah, I mean, I've always been a gamer, and you know, I was I was quite active on um, the War Machine community as a painter back then, um, and I knew a lot of the guys that eventually sort of became Steamforged via that scene. Um, but, uh, I've told this story before, so I apologize to anyone that's heard it, but basically, um, I was a primary school teacher and I had a friend who worked in video games. And then one evening I went to dinner at his house and I'd had a rubbish day marking papers and filling in reports. And he'd been in London, um, uh, directing mocap actors, performing fight sequences for the new Call of Duty game. And so I thought to myself, I need a more interesting job. So I decided to learn how to 3D model and uh, ended up making some 15mm miniatures for a friend um, using 3D printing as was. And it all just kind of snowballed from there, really. Because you, I remember this from a discussion that we had at the British Champion, no, Vengeance. And that was that you don't, you... You don't use green stuff. Is it green stuff molding, they call it? Or you don't, like, everything you do is on computer? Yeah, yeah. The the whole Steamforge process from day one for all of our products is digital. So we use a a very sort of well-known in the industry uh, tool called ZBrush, which is the best way to describe it. It's like a digital clay. um, Um, And pretty much any video game, uh, any creature in any video, uh, in, in any movie or or animation sequence that you've seen in the last five to ten years will have been produced in ZBrush. It's like the the sort of Photoshop of 3D. It's the tool that everyone uses. Um, And yeah, so everything's designed digitally, and then we can output that either as a a file that goes into a CNC machine for PVC, and which means that it can can read that file effectively inside out and carve it out of a mould using a Mm -hmm. a three-dimensional lathe, or the more low-tech uh route for metal and and resin is we 3d print the model so you get a you get exactly what you get from a green stuff you get one figure that looks you then cast it and then you just mold it and cast it yeah just just like you would a green stuff model um with the advantage you can make as many extras as you need 
so the same process for sculpting in plastic, metal, or resin is all done on, on computer. It's just the output's different. The, yeah, the process is the same. There are different considerations, but the, the core process is exactly the same. See, because I, I didn't realise this until we discussed earlier, I, and uh, I always thought, and, and obviously you're aware of the community and everything, and the, the commentary of how much your sculpting, and I believe Steamforge people as well have said it, how much your sculpting's come on since the start. I didn't realise until, and this is why I mentioned it, uh, that prior to Guildwood that you hadn't done anything, and that explains, one, as we discussed, like how some of your, the, the progression from some of your earlier sculpts, like, like we said, um, like Gutter and, say, Decimator, what you're producing now actually makes sense that you can see the progression in your skills has just really exploded. I mean, I still think some of the Season 1 sculpts are fantastic, but compared to the latest stuff that's been coming out, yeah, you've obviously really learnt your trade on the go. It's very kind for you to say so. I think that, um, you know, Matt and Rich definitely took a leap of faith and, you know, as as it turns out, it all worked out quite well for all of us. Um, But, yeah, they really did sort of have have trust in in my abilities um, and, uh, and, and, you know, let let me sort of learn on the job. And, And it was a bit of a trial by fire because, like I mentioned earlier, when you're working on a Kickstarter, there is that need to produce... Uh, new content and new models and show the backers what they're getting and 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 keep keep the energy high and that meant sculpting very quickly and you know i've got a reputation for being quite a fast sculptor and i think that it's probably because my my kind of sculpting roots are in having to do stuff to really crazy deadlines because it was all to do with the kickstarter project and getting stuff out there but um I think where we've come with Guild Ball, not just myself, but, you know, you look at Sherwin's writing and you look at the artwork that we've got and the whole world is just, it's so much more developed and sophisticated and elegant in, in, in its own grubby way than it was uh, in season one. It's, it's, a, it's a thing of beauty now. I'm really, really proud of, of, uh, of Guild Ball. It, yeah, it's definitely um, come on a lot. Go on, Andrew, sorry. Sorry, sorry. So I'm, I'm curious about how it works. So if you have like um, your online um pro, uh, model with your you know your sculpted model basically basically it's like a doll that you basically put bits on and cut bits out of and make it into your model you want to have can you then sort of pose afterwards does that make sense you sort of make your yeah your doll so, and then you sort of move it around and push it around and give it on you know give it the sort of different poses and things is that how it works like a pipe cleaner yeah 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 kind of i mean different artists and one of the great things about about the tools that we use and the process that we use and, you know, working with freelancers and stuff on, on some of our other projects is there's no real one route to, to completion. Everybody can use the tools in the ways and methods they, they like the most. So I like to sculpt what I call in pose. I will, I will nail the pose down with Matt as one of the earliest stages of the project. And then I do all of my sculpting with that model in its final pose because then I can do drapery and cloth and belts and all of those things that are affected by that. But I I mean, one of our other artists, a very talented guy called Tom, who does a lot of work. He did a lot of um, dark souls and he's working on a number of projects for us. Um, He really, really likes to, to get the model in a, in a sort of neutral pose, kind of a, it's called a T pose in video games because it's exactly that. Imagine standing, forming the shape of a capital letter T. Um, He does a lot of work in the T because he wants to, he wants to settle a lot of his design choices before he worries about posing the model. Um, so it's two completely different approaches, but we both end up where we need to be. Um, so you've got that flexibility. But yeah, my my preferred method of working is to um, to get the pose nailed down as early as I can in the process, um, because then you've got you know there's some dynamic elements to the model that you can really focus on. I guess that also so works well with he's... the code models in, in uh, the uh, Union Chains because they have sort of similar sculpts, but then you sort of dress them afterwards, like you have like, yeah. uh, he- like a Hemlock example. Yeah, I mean, Union Chains has been a really interesting experience, which, you know, we can talk about in as much or a little detail as you want, really. But um, certainly with that, because I knew that both versions of the models would have the same pose, getting that pose settled um, was... Uh, was kind of key and um it's been really interesting because i don't normally settle a pose and then do two completely different versions of the same character based off it so it's been really interesting for me as an experiment to find out what you can do without altering a model's core um like limb positions and center of gravity and the way you can play around with that by the elements that you dress around those those core elements it's um yes yeah, really interesting because um it's kind of in some ways, you kind of see inside the sort of design process. 
because you go, you know, what what characteristics make this character a hunter, or what makes this character a mortician, or you know, yeah. what sort of, what sort of core features make it a brewer or a mason? You know, Cause for example, the mason the mason doesn't make you see all the sort all the armor panels, but the, the stylings there and stuff, and it's kind of interesting seeing. You know, it's, it's like um, well, it's like seeing my daughter pushing up dolls. You know, sort of what makes it what it is. You heard it here first, folks. My job fundamentally is dressing up dolls. Well, um, you, you just repaint them. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, one of the things that's happened over over time with Guild Ball, and, and this would happen with any project, but it's particularly strong with Guild Ball, is you know when we started the game in season one, um, we we were introducing a completely new world, and um, I, I was chatting to Jason about this previously. You know, finding our artists was quite a challenge to begin with because now Guild Ball's its own thing. People know what the world is, but trying to explain that when you've got no art, you've got no nothing and find people that sort of get it and can, can create that visually was, was a real challenge. So we were really lucky with the people we got, but as time's gone on, that's been built on and grown on. And now we have this whole sort of design language for every guild, which I can then use to design players. And so that's been really great with Union and Chains because, you know, like you say, you know what a hunter is, you know what a brewer is, you know what a butcher is, and you know what core features. And, you know, 99% of the time, it's been bang on. One of the things that's been really interesting for me um, with the whole Union and Chains process is it's my, been my first time ever where we've shown miniatures that aren't final production sculpts. And there's been an opportunity for the community to offer feedback. and that's great for me because, you know, 50% of people like one version, 50% like the other. There's a whole conversation about which one is best. People have different reasons. That means that the models are doing what they're supposed to do. They're creating a conversation. They're creating the tension between the two factions. And where, you know, the feedback is more uniform in, in people saying, oh, this figure doesn't feel like that character would feel for these reasons. And you start to see it again and again. You've got an opportunity to go, OK, let's take a second look at that model. Because we want to be responsive. We want to, you know, you want to give people figures that they're going to enjoy painting and playing with and, and feel ownership of. So it's an opportunity for me to go in there and say, OK, maybe I didn't get this one perfectly right. Let's get in there and, and, and fix it. Mm, you, you lost me there about enjoying painting. It's a thing that happens, mate. Basically, what, what I'm suggesting you do, right, get your Agrax, pour it in a jump <laughs> yes, jar, yes. dip the figure in, job done. That's it. So... Well, I, I mean, Decimo is a perfect case and example of that, isn't it? Because you released uh, or the original veteran Decimo is quite different to the pose that we've recently seen. So yes. that's, all, that's And I guess that shows also how your your turnaround speed, if, I mean, for want of a better phrase, has uh, in, uh, improved um, a lot because like you're saying you're struggling for time to kickstart stuff, but you've Produce that one decimate or two decimate sculpts or one 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 sculpt two dresses and then you that sounds like a weird Chinese porn film but anyway um, that then has um, in the matter of a couple of weeks you've changed that and now got an alternative um, looking decimate yeah and and in in all fairness the the version that um, that was released I've I've then gone away and and revised and refined a little more. Um, I don't think we'll do another round of, of, of releases, but um, depending on who wins, you know, there's still some surprises in there for these final miniatures because no, nothing that you've seen is 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 the settled final production version. But um, yeah, that was a really interesting experience because Sherwin and I had a very clear idea of what we wanted to do with Decimate, and we we learned a couple of things. We learned that what we want to do is not necessarily um, what people are expecting. Sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes uh, maybe not. It, it it depends on the situation. Um, but specifically for me, one of the things that I've really, I found interesting is I thought that by giving each model the same head that it had in its season one form, literally taking the head off the season one model and putting Mm -hmm. on the new model, you would create a continuity and listening to people's comments in some people, people complaining that they not complaining, that's not fair, but people commenting that they preferred the season one, um, face. (laughs) <laughs> showed me, yeah show yeah so it's the same face but it, it what it highlighted is that the context matters um if i change the hair and i change the clothes and that face is probably only four or five millimeters tall on the final model um 
I was I was relying too much on what I could see on the screen and it doesn't translate to the model. So for me, as a piece of feedback to improve what I can put in people's hands as a figure, I think that's been really valuable and that's something that I can consider for, for sculpting going forward. So just picking up on something you said there, like uh, the normal, and I'm generalising here, but the, so the normal process for designing a model would be you get the artwork, you agree the pose, and then you design it. But you said there, am I sort of there or thereabouts of that? Yeah, that, that is a pretty accurate description of, of the process, yes. But then you mentioned there that you and Sherwin had been discussing um, what you wanted to do with Decimate. So is that, have these veteran models been at a slightly different approach in that there's no artwork for them? Or... So, so yeah, so with Union and Chains, um, basically Sherwin and I were given quite a degree of latitude to decide for ourselves um, the direction that these characters were going to be taking. Uh, and that was informed by a number of things. The fact that we knew we'd be doing multiple um, versions of them and we didn't know which one was going to release. And uh, believe it or not, it, it, it might seem counterintuitive, but the 2D full colour art is actually often more labour intensive than the process that I go through for sculpting because I can there are resources I can draw on that you can't necessarily do with the 2D art. But also, um, you know, Sharon and I have a really good working relationship and um, we've been collaborating quite a lot on on miniature design where once we've got the basics of a figure established with the art we've been um, talking about their story and showing the suggested story elements that can inform the pose uh, or inform the overall um, kit that the character's wearing and subsequently I've added things in a sculpt that Sherwin has then included in that character's story so it's a very um, symbiotic process um, I mean, one of the first places we did that was with the young Theron model, where the story informed the sculpt and vice versa. And we were we were talking every day during the days that that model was designed and the story was written, so that the two things kind of were created in parallel. Um, and this was just an opportunity to take that process and say, okay, let's see what happens if we just release it onto a set of blank canvas models and, and see where we get. So it's been a really interesting design process because it's something we've not done before. And I think. You know, I flatter myself that overall it's been very successful. Well, yeah, I think so. I think actually you've also inadvertently walked into one of the other questions that I was going to ask you. When you talk about young Theron, and this is, I know whenever I ask Sherwin a question, something like this, he, he sits on the fence because he doesn't want to um, choose one of his children. But if you could choose any of the models you've done to do a young version of, is there any particular one that you'd really like to do? Not for yeah. any any reason other than that's your favourite model or sculpt, or you would just love to have a young Thanatos or whatever. Um, that's a really interesting question, one I hadn't given much consideration to. But um, I'll go with the answer that leapt into my head as instinct, which is Esther's, because I love Esther's. I love everything about her. I think she's fantastic, yeah. and I'd love to see a young Esther's and a young Mash as uh, courting, you know, courting sweethearts all those years ago. So would you, in your artistic mind, do you envisage Esther's to be, when she was younger, was she still a buxom lady or would she perhaps have been a little bit more slight and uh, she just had too many double-deckers and not enough days in the gym? I like to imagine that she has always been very body positive about where she is in, in her world. Mm. Uh, and uh, I just love the idea of... of, of I, I've always liked those two. I think they're, they're just... Esther's a mash are just great. They're great on the table. They're great in the game. They're, they're great as miniatures. I love their story. I love their relationship. They're, they're just, you know, everybody has their own personal poster boys for the game and, and they are mine. I do like in the uh, backstory and I'm, I'm, I've got a terrible memory and I can't remember exactly where it is that it occurs, but they're in one of the player descriptions. It's either in Mash's, they're talking about him basically getting a thick ear off her or it's in hers talking about her giving him a thick ear. I can't remember exactly where it is, but you've got this big well-built man who's just almost cuckolded by his wife <laughs> yeah i think i think it's in the season two but when you introduce mash i'm pretty certain the story in there has him basically saying that he's probably spending the night with quaff um because yeah. of the argument that's happening between her and and tapper in the background um yeah. yeah i i just i just love them i mean she's my probably my favorite captain to play in the game as well um she's just the perfect storm of 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 miniature fluff and and sculpt for me and that's, 
that's an yeah. incredible coincidence because mine's Blackheart. <laughs> oh, I will now. We will now uh, have a short break while you talk about how awesome Blackheart is. He is awesome, though. Let's be honest. Um, have you painted your ghost Blackheart yet, though? That's the real question. I haven't. I didn't buy it, unfortunately. Like, oh, you're dead to me. Uh, well, ironically, he's dead to me. Um, uh, yeah, I wanted to, but it's like £30 for a box where I only want the one model and I could just buy like when the second blacksmith's box or something becomes available, I can have a whole six models and I don't know, it's a bit, I know it's not the, it's not fanboyish enough. If someone wants to donate me a ghost black heart, I'll give you a hug. Right. Big one. There might be somebody out there that wants to help you, but I'm sitting as I'm talking to you. I'm oh, looking at my yeah. Dark Harvest set now, and it is a thing of thing of wonder. It really is. No, it's a beautiful sculpt. I really like it. But um, on a slight sideways tangent, have you been involved in like uh, sculpting for any of the other projects, like um, Resident Evil or Dark Souls? Were you involved? Yeah, in that? yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's safe to say that although. You know, a hundred percent of Guildball is me these days. A hundred percent of me isn't Guildball. I I I work on pretty much everything that we um that we do in various capacities. I mean, my official and slightly wordy title is lead sculptor and sculpting co- coordinator, which means that even if I'm not directly sculpting on it, I have oversight. Um, but yeah, I mean, Dark Souls, the entire core box set, like that that first release box set that's come out. Everything in there was me. Um, we only brought in additional sculptors for all of the expansion material. It must be strange, um, though, really, having having sculpt models based upon a uh, existing, uh, you know, IP. Uh, yeah, you know, it's a it's a, it's a very different set. Of, yeah, it's a very different set of challenges. Um, and what we found, what's really interesting, is the challenges change depending on on the IP and depending on who the licensee, uh, sorry, the license um, vendor is. So you know. Sculpting for for um, Dark Souls is, is a different set of challenges to sculpting for Resident Evil because each of those studios have their own uh, views towards what is and isn't the way they want the well, direction. In terms, of, the how, in terms of how sort of um, stringent they are, in terms of how you know how much they want to be, be perfect to, to their own material. Um, not so much that. It's more to do with the fact that they have different philosophies about what they think is the right way for a miniature to represent their game, and you know. That's incredibly uh, understandable because they've invested an enormous amount of time and energy in producing these uh, these uh, IPs and these worlds, and they want them to be represented well. And so, one of the uh, one of the sort of fun challenges with working with those guys is is getting that dialogue and, and figuring out with them what's going to work in that relationship. It's 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 like having you know any professional relationship or, or personal relationship. It's going to be different depending on who it is, and, and you've got to figure that out and and uh, and make it work. Um, but going back to the the question, yeah, I, so I did all the Dark Souls, and then with Resident Evil, I've mainly done zombies. I've made a lot of zombies. I think mm-hmm. uh, I think pretty much across the full set, there's something like twenty five, thirty zombies, and I think I'm responsible for it, at least two thirds of them. Um, and then beyond that, I've done a few. Uh, sort of modification models so where you've got characters with different weapons or different costumes i've taken one of the other guys sculpts and i've i've basically to use andrew's highly technical terms i've just dressed the doll in something else Um, i I was just gonna say that must be a really interesting challenge doing zombies and i'd say that with no right um jest or anything because zombies and stuff interesting rather than all the same sort of shambling models Right, zombies is not a a model type that the the miniature industry is short of. So to do something different and unique must have been because in Guild Ball there's only one chisel, right? There's yes. only okay, there's a couple of decimates, but you you get my point. There's only one. When you've got a ravening horde of zombies, there's 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 zombicide, black plague, and so on and so off. There's, there's I think Mantic has zombies, Warhammer has zombies. It's zombies is 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 common. <laughs> They are common, but you are, I mean, with, with our project, you know, we are specifically trying to make them look like the zombies that appear in the Resident Evil universe. So there are certain clothes, and certain costumes and certain poses that, that you can you can reference. But at the same time, of course, Resident Evil 2 is, is an old game. So, yeah. you, you know, there's a degree of interpretation because, you know, I can't sculpt the zombie to look like it did in Resident Evil 2 because it looked like uh, something out of Minecraft. Oh, yeah, I thought low-res zombies would be great. <laughs> uh, I was, you know, there, there's something that says like 
I almost I almost wish we'd thought of that as a as a stretch goal because I'm sure someone would have bought the low res miniatures pack. It would have been hilarious. But um, so yeah, so again, you know, talking about the differences, the challenges between the two licenses. Um, when you're working with Resident Evil, you're working with a combination of of early graphics and subsequent art that's been released, and you know the the studio is incredibly supportive of that process and and uh, very keen to to send reference that they were like, you know, we appreciate that you know this model appears in the background and is not very clear, so here's some op- opportunities. Whereas with Dark Souls, the, the game is a recent current generation game, so the clarity of what those characters look like is much sharper right from the get-go. So that's one way that the, the two projects differed. And to come back round onto Gilball in a, in a roundabout way, because um, I think, I presume the stuff in Resident Evil is plastic and obviously the stuff in Dark Souls is plastic. Have you found changing to a different material has affected what you can and can't do uh, as a sculptor? Because I, I don't know if it's, a product of the material or uh, a thematic of the guild, but I notice, and my own opinion is that the farmers are quite static in their posing. They, they don't are. have like the dynamic sort of like you look at Minx, Grace, um, Shark. They're all. I mean, you, is yeah. that more? Is that part of to do with the material, or is it more the theme? I think that it's um, it's an it's an artifact of the fact they were the first guild released which meant that people have made the assumption that it was uh, a requirement of the new material in the new process. When it was always, from my perspective at least, when I had the conversations with Matt and and Doug about what we were doing with the models, it was always, to my mind, an artistic decision that we wanted the farmers to feel static and stoic. And so we thought we would hew quite close to the artwork. Um, And I think it's, it's just one of those things that it just happens that they were then the first guild that were released. And so there was an expectation uh, or there was a perception maybe that, that it was, that was the reason. Um, now I yeah, can't, I com- you know, I can't comment to the ins and outs of the production process because I'm, I don't work in production, but certainly from my perspective, sculpting them, that wasn't part of the part of the decision-making process. And I think, you know, you going back to saying about how the sculpting's changed. I think that um, people's artistic, um, attitudes and preferences have changed within the company as well um i actually i have a fondness for some of those more kind of static stoic grounded immovable object looking miniatures whereas i used to have a a preference for the more active kind of arms in every direction models and i think that you know that's just a developmental thing it's an aesthetic thing as much as anything else it doesn't necessarily um indicate uh anything no, about the, the design process i mean you know we've got some fairly dramatically um active models in the pipeline um that that will be revealed at some point i have no doubt no, i was going to say like your your point about the static poses i think it does depend very much on the character and how that reflects which is why i wondered if it was like a, a theme of the farmers because you know that kind of stoic kind of honest labor well, that's a terrible yeah it, with the farmers it was very much a thematic choice and um you know, one I I was I was more than happy to to support. I think that um, it would be it would be wrong to suggest that there isn't any changes or, or different considerations when you know, even if you're working in metal or resin, you're thinking about the different materials and the the, the different properties that they have. But um, Rich uh, Loxham is very keen on, on the statement that we don't let the engineering process constrain the um, the creative process. You know, we we want to be able to create the models we want to create and then solve the production and engineering challenges that they therefore suggest. Presumably that's in piece, so it's hard to, you have to think about that as well. Well, yes and no. I mean, not all of them are single piece. And again, you know, I'm, I'm not the production guy, so I may not be the best person to talk about this, but they are pre-assembled, but they're not always single piece. Like, um, I think in Farmers 2, the donkey, is four or five pieces i'm not entirely sure but but because of the complexity of the design it has to be multiple pieces and then it's assembled so um so yeah you still get you get a single piece model but that doesn't mean that they are a single piece products actually it wouldn't surprise me if the new one um is also multiple piece uh what's what's the name the one one carrying multiple swords on her back that that lady oh um half half it would surprise me if she was multiple piece as well given how how many weird angles she has on her 
yeah, she is fairly crazy bonkers. When I first saw the artwork for her, I did have a how the hell is this going to happen moment. She's, she's, she's great. She, she came out really well. I'm super happy with uh, with the blacksmiths. I think they're great. And my brother, who um, I don't know how many people know this, but my, my little brother um, recently joined Steamforged as a sculptor. So um, oh, really? he, yeah, he, he did a lot of the Resident Evil work, um, a lot of Resident Evil. Um, so are you still the prime? Are you still the only sculptor for Guildhall, or are you now being on others as well for that? Now, I will currently. I mean, never say never, but currently, and looking at how far ahead I'm working, certainly for the next X number of months, there everything you see for Guildhall will be me. Um, but uh, yeah, we have uh, myself and there's two other guys, my brother Ben and a very talented guy called Tom, who recently uh, graduated university and is, is he's phenomenal. Um, and they're both producing superb work and they've worked on dark souls and they've worked on resi and they're working on a number of uh of other projects that will mature over time so how long do you work in advance then um that's a really tricky question to answer and i don't mean that because i'm being evasive i mean that it, it kind of depends on a number of factors that are outside of of my sort of working day to do with play testing and production and and release scheduling and all of those kind of things but i mean i think it's safe to say that um the uh keynote at steam con is going to be well worth a listen uh based on what i have seen is coming down the pipeline i'm super excited for uh where Guildhall's going um but i will i will say no more because um if i said something that accidentally spoiled the keynote then uh my life would not be worth living it's okay no one listens to this anyway, this anyway so. <laughs> well if it's uh, just most of will find out that'll be about it yeah, yeah that's talking about talking about steam con you are doing another are you, you sculpting another model on site again yeah yeah it's a slightly different format this time um i think we're not doing a, a new model from scratch we're doing something slightly different just to keep it uh, uh keep it fresh um and me and sherwin are going to be as i mentioned earlier now that we've got this really nice kind of symbiotic hive mind thing going on the way we work um we're going to sort of be working in tandem for for that uh, section of the uh, event. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. It was an absolute blast last year, and uh, we're very proud of the fact that no one had done it before, and no one's actually done it since. We're still we're still the only company to do it. So um, we are going to go for this whole get a model design, get it made physical, get it to the show. We're going to do it. And that's, that's on the Friday. Oh, now you're asking me about scheduling. I think actually we've moved it. Whereas previously we did it on the Friday. I think we're doing it on the Saturday. And oh, then okay. it would be a case of print like the wind um, to get it there yeah. in time. So the I think the only thing that that means is it's highly unlikely that this time it will be painted. Um, I don't think that would be achievable. That was now, crazy, I'm saying like, that was crazy oh, to do all that weekend. Uh, well, what what you need to do that is a is a lunatic Australian who's a really good painter is running on Australia time and is an absolute boss. And uh, you know those aren't guaranteed every year. Um, and it's got a world final to play in the next day. Yeah, he's such a star. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. It's such a challenge. The fact that we've done it once before doesn't even guarantee that we can achieve it again. There are so many things that have to go right to, to, to be able to produce a model in such a tight time scale and make it physical. But, you know, tapping on my table, touching wood, I I would love to to do it again because it, it would prove it's not a fluke and, and that it's something we can do. So with the the point there that you made about it just made me think of something, the point you made about having a fantastic paint. I mean, you yourself, and without blowing any smoke at your backside, are obviously you're a very good painter. I've seen like your engineers and your brewers, and they're very, very nice, very high Thank standard. You. But do you, you do you get a get enough to say do you? It's, it's an obvious answer. You must get a huge amount of pride and joy when you see like your sculpts, some of the paint jobs that people do. Not mine, I admit. I can't imagine you look at mine and oh, think, don't be that's a lovely face. shade of agrax. After three coats of agrax, yours are pretty good. <laughs> but the like, fact is... Um, some of the work and like do. So, yes. The short answer is it, it gives me an enormous sense of pride. Um, it's a slightly weird thing because um, I I produce a lot... Of, I make a lot of models. Obviously, I make a lot of models. Um, and... Um, by the time that they get into people's hands and they're painted and all the rest of it, I can I I I said this to somebody recently who apologised to me for converting a miniature. Once I finish sculpting them and they go on sale, they're not my figures anymore; they're yours. That's interesting. And so 
so from my perspective when i see those figures i do feel proud but mainly what i feel is i admire the paint job i admire the person and i admire the, the craftsmanship they've put into to producing that paint job and the fact that it's my sculpt is it's nice but it's it's not the most important part of that for me it's the fact that somebody has taken the time i i really appreciate a good paint job i've always been a complete you know miniatures fangirl um you know i will squee and scream over beautiful paint jobs and so that that's what comes out first is the fanboy in me i get excited about the paint job and then the fact that it's one of my miniatures is just the icing on the cake but um as well as that i just want to say about jason your painting i admire anyone who takes the time to paint their models uh whatever standard people are at whatever wherever they think they are on that journey of 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 acquiring painting skills i think that if i sit down at a table and someone has taken the time to paint their figures it tells me that they care about the game and they care about the experience they're giving their opponents and that's that's a big deal to me um i've we've all been to events that are a sea of gray and silver yeah one machine tournaments and stuff in the past you know it was rare to see armies that fully painted wasn't it play against plastic all weekend yeah, and I mean, I remember that me and Matt used to be something of a an anomaly because we both played trolls and we both had them painted to a pretty decent standard. And I, I, if I look behind me now, there's like, I don't know, 160, 170 display standard troll blood bottles. That was a period of insanity. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I haven't played the game for years, but I can look at these and derive pleasure from them. And, and any time I sit down acro- across and face a painted... Um, painted uh opponent not the opponent but their models um it, it makes me happy and so i don't care about the standard of painting it's the fact that people care enough to make the effort have you ever seen a conversion and that someone's done and looked at it and just gone oh, why didn't i think of that oh yeah um <laughs> i don't know if i can bring out a specific example but I, quite a couple of times on the Gilball um facebook page in the last few months i have commented along the lines of if i ever get to produce an alternate version of this model i'm stealing this um you know the community circus thing oh yeah par's an absolute genius his stuff's amazing have you ever seen his goal that goal uh he's got a it's like um a knife thrower's assistant fastened to a target um and the goal itself is actually it rotates and there's there's a watch face behind it so it will count from one to twelve. Oh, oh wow! Right. It's beautiful. Um, he took best painted at um, the WTC for that uh, circus themed team, and well deserved because you could make the case that technically it wasn't the most, um, it wasn't the best painted in a you know fine brushwork sense. But in terms mm. of concept, execution, theme, narrative, all of those things that really matter, it was just superb, absolutely sublime. Loved it. There's that fella, and I can't remember his name, but he, at Vengeance, won the best converted butchers team, and I got to play him, and he's, like, converted it so that... Uh, and I apologise if he listens to this, he probably doesn't, but he's, like, got meat hooks, so she's got, like, entrails going over her hooks, and, like, I think every model in his butchers team has been converted in one oh, way wow. or another. I didn't see that. I was at Vengeance, but I didn't see that team, and I wish oh. I had. That sounds fantastic. Was it? Actually, no, I said... Yeah, it was Vengeance. I was thinking, was it the British Champs? No, it was Vengeance. I honestly can't remember the fella's name and hopefully someone can post a, a link to either myself or to you so you can see them because they, they looked stunning. Like, like oh, I'd love to. Even, and, and you know, that's an example of, of models that we could never release because, you know, everything that we do by its nature has to kind of have a sort of PG-13 quality to it. Um, not that I am, you know, uh, this, this, should, this should not be seen as me asking for people to convert horror models and, no. and show me blood and guts, but... I, I love it when people take a model in a direction that, you know, is unexpected or or that I couldn't necessarily do as a production figure. You know, like I say, I think that our community, not I mean, gaming generally, but Gilball community is one of the best communities I've been involved with. And people are so invested in the world and invested in the characters. And it comes out in such interesting ways. That's one of the reasons I'm looking forward to Steamcon so much is I get to, you know, go and sort of bathe in that that community and bathing that sense every day and 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 it's just a great it's a great thing because you know i i kind of sit in my room sculpting my models it's nothing but me and facebook and a youtube video for company and so it's really great to get out there and and remind myself you know what it's all about speaking of Steam con um obviously last year's model was uh skulk 
Um, has he changed at all uh, between the version then and the version you're going to be releasing? Um, the so uh, do you mean in terms of the sculpt? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, pretty much. I there were some minor engineering adjustments. Um, it's a very fancy way of saying things that is the teeth thing got made thicker. He is metal. Yeah. Um, uh, he's a really really nice piece as well. Um, Sherwin, I I've not got one, but Sherwin sent me some photographs of one, and I was I was very very jealous because um, he got hold of one of the um, the uh, approval samples that we had through from the casting, and it, it does it. He looks lovely. Um, I'm really excited to uh, to get my hands on one. Because I, I actually am probably the only person in the world with a painted skulk, because I have the 3D print that Trent painted uh, at oh. last year's SteamCon. If I turn oh, around nice. now, I can see it sitting next to my brewers. It's a gorgeous cabinet. paint job. The, the colour choice oh, is stunning. Well, lovely. Sort of greenish, wasn't it? yellow, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, sadly, the... one of the uh, barbecue prongs um, didn't survive the journey home because uh, that model is was very, very thin um, in its original incarnation. They're more brittle as well, aren't they? More, more brittle, aren't they, the um, 3D print? Uh, the, the yeah the, the the material that we print in is is um it's pressure and heat proof which is why it's good for molding but it is quite brittle They're, it's very easy to break um i always get sort of um panic uh if people pick up uh, my veteran um veteran spigot because he's uh, actually a 3d print and likewise lucky um are both 3d prints from our approval process that i painted up there was a brief period of time where i was the only person in the world with a complete Brewers lineup because I had lucky before uh, before anyone else. That's one good model as well. I, I painted that one recently. It's lovely to paint. Really nice model. He came out really nicely when the artwork arrived. He was another great example of collaboration because um, Doug's artwork for him. He's got five o'clock shadow, and I had to say to Doug, "There's just I can't sculpt that. <laughs> so you need to give me something I can I can hang this character off." And and I got a second version through, and he was all covered in sticking plasters where he'd been bashed up and beat up, and. Uh, I was able to put that into the into the sculpt, so that was another great little bit of collaboration between the different uh, parts of the creative process. It sound weird, but it felt really weird painting a model with one arm. It just felt odd. I'll tell you something really funny is um, is when uh, that model initially went to tooling in uh, in China, I got a very worried uh, email back from the the very lovely lady that does the the QC on the initial because um, they do a three D print. They don't use it as part of their process, but they do a 3D print to show us to make sure that the model they've got is scaled correctly and we're happy with it before they, they do all of the things that they have to do. And uh, she was very concerned that the model had misprinted because it only had one arm and she was asking <laughs> me to send the correct file again and it, would all, it was all terrible. And uh, it was quite difficult because of the language difference to explain that, no, no, that's working as intended. <laughs> um, yeah, really nice. And also, I think that's, that's, that thing, that was the first model I painted that was plastic. Uh, by Steamforged, and yeah, the quality was surprising, really. Yeah, he, pay, he paints up very nicely, does Lucky. Um, you know, I like to, to say to people, if you think about it, that, uh, you know, we, we just just as, as Jason was talking about, you know, we've got better and better at making metal models, and, and we'll get better and better at the plastic process. Um, the farmers, I like to think of, the farmers will always be the, the, I don't want to use the phrase worst, but in theory, every release that we do after the farmers should be an improvement. On, on where they're at. So, well, you're learning, you're learning more, aren't you, as you go along, aren't you? Yeah, um, we learn about the tolerances of the different materials and the process and what works and what doesn't. And, you know, we can build on that and build on that. And as a foundation point, as a starting point, I'm super happy with the Farmers. Um, you know, Farmers 2 look great. I don't know how much has been released in, into the public view yet, so I won't talk about them in the too much detail. The are available. So. Oh, are they? Um, yeah, yeah they, they look great. I'm, I'm really, really happy with the results. Um, because, you know, like... Like everybody, I was super nervous when when we we first started this process because I didn't know what we were going to get, and I couldn't be happier with the with what I've seen. They they look amazing. They've uh, released on the blog today the uh, limited sculpt of Millstone. Ah, uh, yeah, great. surfs up Millstone. Yeah. Where uh, <laughs> yeah. it's something to, do with, to get the shop to buy it or something. I'm I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, it's a, it's an LGS promotion. You know, it was um. It was. It's a. I, I think that um, Matt and Rich are keen to, to you know do more to help support bricks and mortar stores, which I think is a is a laudable uh, intention because they they really are the lifeblood of the hobby. Yeah. Um, sure. And um, this is hopefully the first of many sort of initiatives that we can do for that kind of thing. And she was great fun to do. She came out of nowhere. I had. She was one of those like there are there are projects 
you know, you're asking me about how far ahead I work. There's stuff that I work on that I know will not come out for a considerable length of time. And then there's stuff where I, I get a, a, a Skype call on a Thursday and, you know, we're putting the miniature uh, into printing the, the following Tuesday sort of thing. And she was one of those, came out of nowhere, fantastic idea, um, threw myself into sculpting her, had a great time doing it. She looked great. Matt approved her first site, didn't need to make any changes straight into production, had a chat with our casting guys. They were happy. It was a really nice, clean process. She was an absolute joy to do, and I'm really looking forward to when uh, when she comes out. Because uh, Farmers are probably the next team that I'm going to be painting up, so um, she couldn't have come at a better time. I've got one for you, because you've just done the um, you've done Easter Fang Tooth. Yep. You've done Halloween like Farmers. Yep. I'm going to pitch to you. What about Christmas Brewers? And you can have Stave as Santa Claus. Ah, uh, see, if only you'd spoken to me a fortnight ago, because I think we've we've missed the Christmas production window now, Jason. Ah, uh, well, throwing presents. Well, basically. The, the there's there's always there's there's always next year, mate. There's always next year. Yeah, well, the trouble is, I've already got a contract in the post from Perkins about going on to the uh, the playtest design. Oh, thing. because of your amazing balance changes for for Black Heart. Yeah. Edge. Yeah, I That's thought they were great. Well, I came up with another one the other day for Bryce, and that was. Um, bloody coin and uh my game should probably because it says that they don't stack or actually i think it's probably an oversight and they probably should i think that's entirely legitimate because um the one of the things that a lot of people have said is that um they feel that playing playing uh, uh against vet rage he he feels like a negative play experience for the person using him because he's he's a bit yeah. he's a bit low Pivistic. so exactly. yeah all i'm trying to do is just i'm trying to like uh corroborate all of the um oversights that they've made because they're busy guys they've got families no that's fair no joke at the wtc my i want to say third round game against um germany three uh that bit's not important uh, but it was it was some time into the convention i sat down the guy got out vet rage first time i've ever played against vet rage <laughs> what, what does he do i said and i went out <laughs> yeah so turn one i moved up and then turn two, I had two models left on the board, and the guy had like 47 momentum, and I was like, oh, that's what he does. That's pretty cool. So here's here's a general word of advice to anyone who's listening. If you ever go onto a table against someone and they put Vet Rage down, don't ask them what he does, because you're instantly telling them you don't know, and you're going to find out in a very bad way. Yeah, just my advice is... your phone with the app on it and look at the card. Yeah. Also... Don't sprint all of your players forward because you want to get a good position, a good midboard position for turn two. It was that is, that doesn't work. Is Who playing think... What guild are playing as us? Brewers. It was it was a Tapper Brewers team, which is ironic because the WCTC was the last time I played Tapper. I've been exclusively playing Esters since, having an absolute ball. Thank you, Stephen Easton, for teaching me the Tower of Esters. So you are um, obviously you'll be looking for games at SteamCon. No, don't. Yes, if have... people want to play against a very, very mediocre Gilball player, I am ready to go. I've, I'm just—I've been throwing challenge bombs down everywhere. I think I've challenged you. I've tra- challenged Grant Ennis, um, Ed Church. When I think I challenged him, who else? I've been challenged against Grant as well. Actually, I've got a—I've got a Brewer off against Steve, uh, WCT Steve, um, who's flying over for one day because he's a lunatic all the way from Belgium. Um, so we're having an Estes versus Tappers Smackdown. I think Thursday because I'm getting there Thursday night because my I'm travelling up with um, one of our print guys who also does. Um, is, is working the retail side of things and he's got an eight o'clock shift on the friday so we're traveling up the night before and uh, i think jj has um has bagged me for a game which you know so i'll get there at say seven we'll throw down at 7 15 7 30 yeah. i've lost and we'll be going to dinner it'll work work out quite nicely yeah. 7 15 put your models down 7 35 pick them up again that's the one <laughs> yeah um, i suppose we're, we're the 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 inevitable question that we have to ask, and I'm sure you can't answer it, is will we be seeing any limited edition sculpts at um, SteamCon? Oh, Jason, have? they've got media things, this sort of thing. We can't just ask them that sort of stuff. I well, know, but I have, if, I have to ask it so that people can hear him say, I can't tell you, so then people don't go, oh, why didn't you ask him? No, that's entirely fair. You're, you're well within your rights to ask, and you're well within your rights to not expect an answer. Exactly, but at least we've asked the question. It's probably You've asked yes, the question. they can't tell us. That's, that's due diligence on your part, Mr. Mountain. Well done. That's part of us being like um, investigative, investigative. I can't even say it. Investigative. Investigative. 
Yeah. I'm not even going to attempt it after that. Yeah, there's too much of a build-up now. I can feel the pressure. Journalists. <laughs> we're, we're like... Um, uh, oh, God, what's his name? Oh. This is great radio. I was going to say, guys, this is podcast gold Cutting right here. edge, podcast gold. The thing is, I could describe him, but I'd describe him in such a way that would be worse than me just not remembering his name. Anyway, you can edit this bit out. It's so rambling, it's practically double dodge. This is awful. <laughs> I'd, I have to say, sorry, just to, um, uh, again, in in the spirit of things that will probably get edited out, I, I, I did have a tickle when I listened to, um, uh, see, I'm doing it now, Jason's infected me. When I listened to uh, Strictly the Worst and they introduced their entirely original new feature, which was <laughs> football. Yeah. Uh, well, you can be Louis Theroux because you look a bit like him. Or me? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Where's is that going? Because... Well, because I was thinking about investigative journalists, wasn't I? And you can be Louis Theroux. I was trying to remember who the guy was who I was thinking I was being, but I can't. I still can't remember his name. This is this is great. This is absolute. I mean. This I genuinely, had. I genuinely, and without hesitation, must say that I feel I have nothing to, to bring to this segment. No one has, not, not even Jason has, to be honest. He's dug us into a hole here. Awesome, this is great. Okay, um, so um, thanks for thanks for coming on and and, and uh, humouring uh, us and Jason. Uh, uh, us, it's been good to talk to you. No, it's been it's been lovely to chat, guys, and um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing you both in person. And hopefully we'll play some slightly disappointing games of Guild Ball. <laughs> <laughs> people that sit down against me with any kind of expectation are always play, disappointed. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That's why you just make the models, is it, Russ? Okay, that's fine. It's like uh, I'm, I'm, I'm Jason's smashing up tables now with his muffin baking black hot team, but I'm, I'm pretty mediocre, so it'll be fine. We'll, we'll, have, we'll have a game where Jason watches it'll be in, good. in the sadness. I d- I've got a question for you guys. What are you looking forward to most about SteamCon? It's um it's a difficult question actually because um I've, I've intentionally not booked out for any tournaments. I've booked out for the secret school thing on Sunday, whatever that is. Um, <laughs> I'm guessing you know what it is because you would know, but I've got no idea. Um, I'm looking forward to just loafing around and drinking and playing games and just being a sort of butterfly a bit. Really, I don't really like booking out for tournaments because I like have to have the freedom of wandering around doing stuff. Trevor McDonald. Oh, for God's sake, Jason! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I spent money on buying your microphone, and that's what you give me. <laughs> it was just bugging me, and for some reason, I put Donald into Google, and then it got got Donald Trump, and I was thinking Donald McIntyre. Oh my like, god! Who's that? Right. No, it's yeah, so those. I'm looking forward to um, to um, hanging around, seeing people, um, getting involved. Obviously, I, I'm extremely excited about the the keynote and everything that entails. Last year, I didn't go to many of the seminars because I was working some pundit shifts, but I really like the fluff of Guild Ball and getting immersed in that sort of thing. I really miss, I really wished I was there for the design and play thing. Um, so it'd be nice to go to more seminars, if I can do. Um, I have to say, I mean, it's entirely subjective, and, you know, there's going to be guys there that smash the um, the tournament side of things and have an absolute wild time but if i was a if i was a punter i'd be like yourself the for me the the seminars and the social scene is where it's at you know? yeah yeah and just playing pick up games and basically just having having a good time really if, if, to be honest even now thinking about it i'm not sure whether two days is gonna be enough well it's gonna be days, epic it's gonna be it's epic. gonna be it's gonna be nice just to meet all three of our listeners <laughs> uh, are you have you booked a restaurant table for you you know well, also, well, about Patreon, we have to give them all knowing winks. Those we know, the ones who actually subscribed as well. I'm fascinated by finding out, finding out what you busting a nut over the miniature of my choice is like. I'm, I'm that's only for, just to find that's out. only for the fifty dollar um, level. So I'm afraid you've got to put money where your mouth is for that one. Uh, it's, it's a bit too rich for my blood. I'm afraid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm afraid so. Um, right, that's it. I'm going to I'm going to call it there. Poor Jason starts yelling other names of journalist status. <laughs> Um, thank you. Uh, follow me at singled underscored out GB. Uh, and if you really want more insightful commentary from me, I'm at J Mountain. Um, no, not what am I? Uh, at J Mountain 82, isn't it? I don't know. It's your Twitter. Yeah, well, I don't tweet myself. Oh, God. Okay. And follow, follow us. Um... Uh, I don't know if you can. I don't just, really do the Twitter him, thing. Just, just, just follow him just, around. Just find just, him and follow yeah, him. Yeah, just, just seek me out and throw things from a distance. Or just follow Steamforged or go on the Guildball supporters page because I post on there like every day. See, as far as I'm aware, Twitter is essentially just another medium to sling muck at Jake. That's all it's for, isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, anyway, 
Thank you. Bye. See you later.